Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Has everyone, um, I'm sure you would have all got the message, has everyone like um, downloaded the church app? Yeah. All right. So if you go into the church app, if you haven't done that, you can go into any um, app store and, and you'll find it if you look for New Spring Church Perth. And um, what you will find, which will be very, very helpful for today, is if you, let me find it, if you go into the church app, comes up, you've got beautiful Simon over there. And um, this is the, um, the, um, um, the landing page. If you just hit sermon notes over there, you'll actually find today's notes for today's message, which is called Into the Blurred Line. So you can hit that and come on internet. There we go. And you will actually have the notes and scriptures for today's message. And that's going to be very helpful because we haven't got screens, screens outside. So um, do that. If you haven't um, downloaded that, you can do it really, really fast. It won't take long to do that. And if you do need some help after the service, we can help you with that. But today's service is called Into the Blurred Lines. What I've been trying to do um, in this short series that's actually been in the book of Acts is that I've actually wanted to set a tone for our church. What I wanted to do is actually look back at the beginning of Act number five. Last year, we introduced our church to this metaphor of being Act five people. People who improvise the drama of God in 2022 because 2022 is a little bit different to five years ago, isn't it? You know, you've got masks on for number one. We're outside for number two. And um, it's just really changed. But what I wanted to do is to actually look at the beginning, the opening scene of Act number five, and see the trajectory of the early church. How was the church launched? Because the manner in which the church was launched, the tone in which the church was launched, the trajectory of the local church, um, as found in the book of Acts, is actually the still tone, same tone and trajectory of today. That makes sense, doesn't it? And I think that in today's... Um, age, especially 2022, it can be very, very easy to get lost. Last couple of years, things have changed. Um, things have gotten a little bit more complex. Don't you reckon? Has your life gotten a bit more complicated? Are you anticipating that life's going to get even more complicated as the year goes on? Have you had a feeling that possibly the world seems to have dived headfirst into this huge chasm of chaos? Have you felt that? Well, can I actually submit to you that chaos should be the playground of the local church? We see that right at the beginning in the book of Genesis. There is chaos everywhere. There is formlessness all everywhere. And we are introduced to our creative God who comes and brings order out of chaos. That is the beginning of our book. That's the beginning of the revelation of God. And then guess what God does? He creates humanity to do like what he did and actually push out his shalom or his peace or his flourishing into this world of chaos. So I would actually submit to you that whenever we see chaos, whenever we see disorder, whenever we see places where it's like, you know what, I would rather stay in a place of order rather than disorder, we should be stepping into those places of chaos because that is where the church should thrive if she knows who she is, if, all right? if she knows who she is. And I'm praying that as we continue through this year, that we will continue to know who we are um, as image bearers of, the, of, of, um, of God. So a couple of weeks ago, we looked at um, the day of Pentecost. 
And um, we, the message was called God Speaks Fluent People. Um, it's up on our YouTube channel. You can catch up with that. The day of Pentecost, the day when the Spirit of God comes. Pretty good stuff, right? It's a day where the trajectory is determined. It's a day when the tone of the church is set. It's a day when a restored humanity is released onto the world. So just, just imagine that from God's perspective. This is the moment, this is the time when he releases a restored, renewed humanity onto the world. Released, let loose. The world's never going to be the same again. God makes his move. And the question I have for today is, how far would God move? How far does his mighty arm actually reach? And um, I think that um, if we actually look through um, the book of Acts, we're going to be very, very challenged as to how far God actually moves. Jesus himself gave the disciples a really big heads up about how far God wants to move and how far he wants to reach. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says to the disciples after they've asked for him to restore the kingdom, he's, they're asking him for power. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. That's a really big word. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And why is this significant is because the disciples, they wanted power. They wanted an empire kind of power. The kind of power they wanted was the kind of power that would kick out the Romans. The kind of power that the disciples wanted was the kind of power that would enable them to stay in Jerusalem. And Jesus saying, you're going to go out of Jerusalem because followers of Jesus Christ always want to stay in their Jerusalems. Either say wow or ouch, but that should hurt somewhere, right? <laughs> They, they, they wanted Jesus to establish the kingdom. They wanted to be the leaders of the world where all of the nations came. They wanted to be um, in that place as in the pinnacle, as the climax of the very first exodus that's actually recorded for us in 1 Kings when all of the kings of the nations come to Solomon to glean from his wisdom and from his knowledge. That's what they wanted. They wanted to stay in Jerusalem because in their mind that is how the kingdom of God is going to be established. They expected to remain in Jerusalem, but God has other plans. I wonder if you've got some things in your mind this year, and it's very dangerous for you to be coming out to a church like New Spring because you're going to be challenged, you're going to be prodded, and we're going to be inquiring of God. But I wonder how many of us have our plans, and God says, yeah, I've got different plans for 2022. I reckon he's got some different plans. It's a bit of a heads up, right? Acts chapter 8, and that's where we're going to be today, is where we see the Holy Spirit pushing these disciples out to Samaria and actually beyond Samaria. And the question is again, how far does God intend to go? How far does his arm actually reach? And we're going to look at a story that really should shake us to the core. And I reckon it's a story that is so, so relevant to our present age and the conversations that are happening. But as I said before, we are all disciples of Jesus Christ, myself included. And I know for myself, I would much rather remain in my Jerusalem. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I will submit to you that you're like every other disciple and you would much rather remain in the comfort, the familiarity and the order of your Jerusalem. But what if God has different plans? All right. 
Some of you are thinking, man, I should have stayed home today. No. <laughs> the story we're going to look at, not only does God take the disciples to the ends of the known earth at that time, but the story pushes us to find someone who is positioned on the margins, on the very margins, on blurred lines. There are margins geographically that this story takes place in, but there's also the margin of identity. And I think the margin of identity is something that we need to think deeply about as Christians living in 2022. So we're going to read Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 31. Again, in your church app, it is over there, so you can actually read along with me. The beautiful thing about the church app is that the scripture will be in the translation I'm reading with. Otherwise, you can just use any other translation and it'll all be pretty similar. From verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kadak, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside um, beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I? unless someone instructs me. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. This is God's word. Israel were a people group very similar to us in that they lived within very, very clear lines of demarcation. They existed within some very clearly marked out lines. There were places you can go, but there are also places which you probably shouldn't go. There were people who were clean. There were also people who were not clean. There are Jews. There are Gentiles. There are God's chosen people. And then there are sinners. There were clear lines. And what makes these disciples move out of their clear areas of markation is persecution. At the beginning of Acts chapter 8, we actually hear that severe persecution comes on the church. And because of influences which are outside of the control of the church, they actually seem to go along with it. But as they go along with it, they are telling the story of Jesus as they go. I wonder if there's any relevance to where we are in 2022. Right? A lot of influences around us, a lot of Christians jumping up and down. How about you actually pike down and actually as you go, tell the world about Jesus? Because no one getting killed in Australia. Is that a little bit? Okay. But that's what happens. And that's how the gospel is spread. 
I think it's very, very interesting, the um, implications. And then Acts chapter 8 begins with these disciples of Jesus in Samaria. If you know anything about Samaria, Samaria is one of those areas. You probably shouldn't go there. The disciples are in this area where their voices are being heard in very unusual places. You would suppose that the voices of the disciples would have easily and often been heard in Jerusalem, but at this particular time when there are different influences that are actually charting their course under the providence of God, they are taken to unfamiliar places and their voices are being heard in unusual places. Unusual places. Wouldn't surprise me if we're used to our voices being heard in lot number five, Centre Road for the last 10, 20, 30 years. Maybe this year, God will actually take our voices to very unusual places so that our voices are heard. Samaria's a bit of a no-go zone. Samaritans were not considered clean. They were considered pretty much a mixed race, mongrels. And that might sound a little bit offensive if I actually use that word mongrel, but you know what? That sentiment is probably accurate of what Jews actually thought of them. These people, we don't want to do anything with them. Samaria is out of bounds. The line's pretty clear. But now because God is directing the disciples and he is using outside influences, he's actually using persecution. Hello? All right. Philip, this disciple, seems to go to an area that seems to be beyond this already out of bounds area. Verse 26, we read this. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. A desert road. I would suggest that a desert road is no place where you want to be. Man, it's hot right now. Could you imagine being led to a desert road, right? It's an in-between place, the desert road, because a desert road is not a destination. You don't open up a pamphlet and say, oh, where should I go for a holiday? Oh, a desert road. That sounds great, right? It's not, an, it's not a destination point, is it? Well, what happens when God actually tells you that you're supposed to go to an in-between place? But God, I really want to go to this place. God, I thought this was the plan. I was, supposed, I was supposed to go to this nice area. I was supposed to have this nice life. And God says, yeah, they're your plans. I've got different plans. Actually, I want you to go to a place which is in between. It's actually an in-between place. What are we going to do when that happens? Like it or not, right, we're kind of in an in-between place here right now in the city of Armadale, city of Gosnells. I grew up in the city of Armadale. My intention growing up in the city of Armadale was to leave Armadale and go. And I went. And then God says, back to the in-between place. All right? This Christian life is very difficult at times because there are times and there are moments where God will actually lead us to go to an in-between place, not a place of destination. It's hard when everyone else is arriving at destination places, right? You look on the Instagram posts, you know, doesn't it look fantastic? All the nice holiday places. Doesn't look fantastic. Have you checked out the, 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 like the churches on Instagram? Don't they look lovely? And then God says, actually, for you, you're going to go to an in-between place where a church is positioned in between. What do we do? What do we do? 
By definition, this idea of being a witness is one who's yielded to God. I don't particularly like that word yield. Does anyone like that word yield? I don't like it. Because that word yield actually presupposes something. It presupposes that I actually do not like what God is saying. But I yield anyway. Right? It's an uncomfortable word. I wonder if there's anyone here where you've been confronted with that word over the last year or so. You know? And there's internal tension. I get it. And there's this internal want where you want to be here, but God's hemmed you in to stay here. How do we yield in those moments? How do we yield? Have you ever yielded? For me, there are times when I yield, and there are many, many other times, just between me and God, I'll let you in. I complain, and I whinge, and I jump up and down, and I say, but God, I want the destination place. And he says, in between places. God takes Philip to a place that's not considered a place. He goes to a desert road. And it's funny because it's on this in-between place that Philip encounters a really interesting individual. A person who is living on a blurred line. I wonder if we looked at people in our lives or we looked at society right now in Perth, Western Australia, if we would look at people and, and like we have our demarcations, right? So you're either in or you're out. We've got some people groups and we say, you're in, you're definitely out. But what if some of the people groups that we deem are out, they're actually just on blurred lines? Because this fellow we're about to see, he is most definitely on a blurred line. And the only reason why it's blurred is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the coming of this brand new age. From verse 27 we read, So we started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia who was a eunuch of great authority under the Kadak, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside, beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Yielding will no doubt take you to places where you would much rather not be. But here's the other thing that yielding does. Yielding will cause you and me to actually rub shoulders and interact with people we would much rather have nothing to do with. And I know you're good Christians. You say, you know what, I love God and I love people. But let me tell you something. You yield to God, those two things will be tested. You're very, very quiet. It's, like <laughs> it's going to be tested. Have you ever been forced to like sort of hang out with people and it's like, I would much rather not be hanging out with you right now. And everything inside of you wants to go and the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, you stay. Yeah? This is what's kind of happening. Philip is not only in an in-between place, but 
In this in-between place, he encounters a person who dwells and exists in the space of blurred lines. It's a bit of a blur because of his origin, number one. The difference is marked out because he's a foreigner. He's from Ethiopia, the outer limits of the then known world. I think it's interesting as Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you as witnesses to actually go out to the ends of the earth. But in the book of Acts, we see the disciples going out to the ends of the earth, but you also see the ends of the earth coming to the disciples of Jesus Christ. So it makes sense to me, especially in a place like Australia, God will send us out, but he also sends the world to us as well. He does that. That's one of the great things about being here. The other thing that really um, signifies the foreigner, this um, Ethiopian, is his blackness. That makes sense, doesn't it? Second thing that um, marks this guy is his identity. This guy is a eunuch. A eunuch. There's this difference that's been signified by his sexuality. He is a eunuch in a very high position. He is an attendant of the queen. But in the ancient world, his identity is very ambiguous. He's not a female, and he is not considered male. He's on this blurred line. All right? One historian and social, um, sociolo uh, sociologist commented um, of this Ethiopian, he said this, he is the ultimate slave, one who has tremendous power and is close to royalty, yet is not a man in the ancient sense of having, um, um, having um, phallic authority. As an ultimate slave, he would simply be a body in use. William James Jennings, an um, American theologian, says this, This Ethiopian eunuch is on the outer boundary of possibility of Jewish existence. And there at the border, God brings that difference near, very near, to the very home of the spirit. The eunuch's a foreigner. Quite possibly, he's a Jew. A lot of Jews in Ethiopia. If he's not a Jew, at the very least, he's a God-fearer, at the very least. And as we read, he has gone to Jerusalem to worship. I wonder how close this foreigner who's a eunuch could have gotten to God. Because I think this story is not a story about how close the eunuch gets to God, but how far God reaches his arm in order to reach the eunuch. But we actually do know from Scripture how far this eunuch could have gotten to God. He's gone to the temple. He's gone to Jerusalem. He's gone to worship. He obviously knows some scripture. He's reading Isaiah um, as, he's, as he's going along here. But in Deuteronomy, there's another marcation that's kind of set for this guy. Deuteronomy 23 verse 1, I have it in the, um, in the sermon notes for you. It's very, very clear. No one who is emasculated or has his male organ cut off shall enter the assembly of God. That's pretty clear. There's a lot of other translations that have much more crude than that, by the way. All right? <laughs> We're a family church. I just wanted to. No. But here's this foreigner, an Ethiopian, goes to Jerusalem, goes to temple to worship. How far can you get where you can't actually assemble with, you can't actually go with the assembly? That's how far. But, but the problem is, he's come from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem in order to worship, and he's come to Jerusalem and he can only get so far because he's a eunuch, you see. All right. 
Isn't it amazing that we live in a time and place right now? The resurrection's come. We profess our allegiance to Jesus. We profess to be followers of Jesus. And the reality for us is we can enter the presence of God anytime we want to, if you want to, if you want to. Seriously. Like we don't even need instruments. We just start singing right now and we could be in the presence of God. If you want to. That's a challenge. It's if you want to. It doesn't register to us that there was a time and place where people couldn't do that. There's a time and place where certain people could have gone into the temple, but we're reading about a story about a guy who's a God-fearer who comes all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem in order to worship. And as he comes to the temple, he can only go so far. He can't even gather like this in an assembly of, of people. Doesn't that mess with our heads a bit, Right? He's a God-fearer. He seeks to worship God. He comes from the far parts of the world. His identity in the ancient world is not clear. And by that definition, he is on the fringes. And he can't get to God. He can't get too close. He embodies the very definition of being on blurred lines. And as I said before, this story is not about, God re is not a, is not about him reaching reaching God. It's a story about God reaching out to him with great, great intent. Listen to this. Philip ran over. This is being directed by the Holy Spirit. There is a guy who cannot get into the presence of the Lord. He is a foreigner. He is a eunuch. And what God does, he actually sets Philip on a course where he's an in-between place, which is kind of aggressive um, direction, number one. But as he's in this place, he says, you go and attach yourself to this carriage. You go and attach yourself. So he runs over. And as he runs over, he hears him um, reading this. Verse 35. The eunuch said to Philip, tell me, was, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Do you remember? Um, it would have been... Um, three or four weeks ago, we did that message about God speaks fluent people. And I broke down what being a witness actually does mean, at the very least. At the very least, being a witness means that we are master storytellers. We should be. If you don't know the story of God, it's going to be very difficult to be a master storyteller. So we are those who are supposed to embody the story of God. We're supposed to have personal experience walking with the Lord. And we tell and then we retell and then we retell and we retell that story. We're very familiar with ancient people and their elders, aren't we? You know, there have been times when we've had some Aboriginal elders actually come and worship with us for seasons. And, and you have a conversation with them and they just have in their minds and in their hearts that they carry the story and they tell and they retell. Well, a follower of Jesus Christ, we should be elders who carry the story. Second thing about a witness is that as we yield to God, as we yield to the Holy Spirit, our life is opened up to be a stage upon which the Holy Spirit outworks the drama of God. Now, a witness can mean a lot of different things, but at the very least, they mean those two things. And these two things we see outworking in the life of this yielded um, disciple called Philip. I think that Christian witness is required because God seems to be very, very intent that no person is left alone when trying to decipher his story. 
Ethiopian's there. He's a God-fearer at the very least. He's reading Isaiah 53. Philip comes on and says, do you know what you're reading? He says, how can I? Unless someone shows me. How can I? What have we got? Approaching 2.2 million West Australians, right? Trying to decipher that there are some narratives in play, right? All these different narratives are promising a vision of humanity. We as followers of Jesus Christ just so happen to have the vision of humanity that actually is true, right? But in a world of 2.2 million people walking around trying to decipher the narratives, where are the Christians to come alongside and say, do you understand what's going on here? And they're saying, how can we unless someone sits with us and helps us understand? This is what's happening here. I think it's kind of cool, you know? Let's me know that maybe sometimes tracks work, but generally speaking, it's going to be a personal relationship. Sit down, take the time, love someone. Take the time to unpack this story with them. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told the good news about Jesus. I reckon that if the eunuch was reading somewhere else, Philip would have started with that scripture. But because the eunuch's reading this particular scripture, Philip starts with this scripture, and under the providence of God, it's kind of cool that the Ethiopian is actually reading this scripture. I'm going to show you why. Last week when we talked about common signs, I started off saying the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just an announcement. It is supposed to be a reality that we experience and feel every single day. Last week, Ashbadi won the Australian Open. That is good news. That was a gospel. But that doesn't hit us. We can't live in that reality. The difference between other good news and the good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom is that we're supposed to experience it every single day. So what happens, okay? Philip's talking to a foreigner. Philip's talking to a eunuch. How is the gospel supposed to hit him right there and then? The amazing thing about this story is that Philip seems to have such an awareness of the story of God. He's such a master storyteller. He seems to know it so that the Ethiopian... Well, at the end, he's rejoicing for some reason. He's jumping up and down. Somehow this has hit him. This passage that the Ethiopian is reading is in Isaiah 53. Very, very familiar uh, passage of Scripture for us who have been around the Christian traps for a while. Very, very good place to actually start articulating and um, explaining who Jesus is, what he's done in this world. Why we... Uh, people who rejoice and so glad and so happy and, um, and um, know that even in the present world, we can still rejoice no matter what happens. But I wonder, I wonder if, because he began with Isaiah 53, if Philip ventures to share with this Ethiopian eunuch another passage, which is just three chapters over. One, two, three. Because three chapters over, there is part of this master story that really does hit this Ethiopian eunuch at this moment, at this present moment. And the great thing about this is that Philip doesn't need to invent anything. He doesn't need to make anything up. And we shouldn't. 
But what he does, what he would know is that he knows the story of God. So if we know the story of God, we don't need to make anything up. We don't need to invent anything. We can just let people know how the gospel, how this kingdom can impact your life, can hit your life right here, right now, 2022, while the rest of the world seems to be falling apart. Guess what? The gospel hits you. Isaiah 56, three chapters over, verse 3 and 5. In light of everything we've said about this eunuch, just listen to these words and read them along with me. Verse 3 starts like this. Don't let foreigners, I love it's foreigners right there. I like that because I'm a foreigner when it comes to the people of God, Israel. Like, I'm a foreigner. So don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. And don't let the eunuch say, I'm dried up. I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what the Lord says. I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. In this most intentional, aggressive way, this maneuver which is set up by the Holy Spirit, this yielded disciple, Philip, not only is he in this in-between place, but in this in-between place, he so happens to encounter this person who is a foreigner, who embodies these blurred lines because he's a eunuch. But at this very precise time, this foreigner who's a eunuch is studying this passage of Scripture where three chapters on, there is a promise that hits him right there. The Holy Spirit's setting something up. I wonder, like when, when, when Philip's just in Samaria and he's moving on his way and the Holy Spirit says, I need you to go to a desert street right now. If Philip's thinking, you know what, I simply don't want to go there. He had no idea who he would encounter on that road. He had no idea. But just trusting God, having faith in God, going with God, guess what? He encounters this, this guy who's on the blurred lines. This guy who had just previously been to the temple and he was able to go so far, but he couldn't congregate with the people of God. He wasn't allowed to because he's a eunuch. And then Philip comes and he says, you know, what? I love the beginning of this. Like, don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. What has he just experienced? He's come from Ethiopia to the temple and he couldn't be part of the people. He's just experienced that. And in this moment, Philip shows him, this is what the promise of Jesus brings to you, my friend. You're a foreigner. You're a eunuch. Your identity is blurred, right? You're living on blurred lines. Everyone else is saying you're out. The promise of God saying you are in. I think some lines are blurred. I, I don't want to take on the position and posture that I know everything. LGBTQI plus community. Let's go there. Because I guarantee you that door is an open opportunity to the church right now. And we have failed miserably as the church of Jesus Christ. We say they're out. What if they're on a blurred line? What if they're God-fearers? What if there are people who have ventured so far and they couldn't get to God? What if God's wanting to reach out 
to them and actually change and form and transform their lives in such a radical way that they experience true flourishing, true humanity. Who are we to actually say, you're out? Because if I have an honest look at myself, I'm pretty dirty and disgusting. And yet, God can redeem me. I know myself enough. You don't know me as well as I do. Not even Andrew knows me as well as I do. I know myself enough to know that if God can love me and if God can redeem me, he can do that with anyone. I know that. I am very, very familiar with my brokenness. Very familiar with it. But what if this year there are people who are on blurred lines? On Wednesday, we begin having teenagers who've been told to get out entering this building. How many of them, and let's talk, not just talk about them, let's talk about their families. How many of them are right now on blurred lines? On blurred lines. Blurred lines. What about someone who's hurt you? It's very, it's very, it's, it's, it's not just very easy. It actually makes you feel very good, right? When you say, actually, you're out. You're my enemy. God couldn't possibly love you. I'm going to pray a curse on you. Does anyone else do that or just me? Anyway, what if they're on blurred lines? What if they're on blurred lines? How far does God reach? How far will God go? Well, it seems to me he goes to far places. He goes to in-between places. He will go to foreign, uncomfortable places. And he has shown in the past, and in 2022, I believe he will show again that he will send yielded, faithful disciples to blurred lines so that we can be witnesses, so we can help others decipher the story of God. Who is Jesus? He is Yahweh. What is he doing in this world? He is reconciling all things in heaven and on earth. This is a renovation project. And how is he using us? The same way he's always intended to. He works in and through his people. Why do you think your sins are forgiven? There was already a sacrificial system in place. There are two reasons. Malachi ends with God not having a people group through which to reclaim the nations. Number one, right? So that God has a people. Number two, so that the Spirit comes. In the ancient Near East, in the ancient Near East, what would happen is that you would get an idol. And then what you would do with that idol is that you would open its eyes, open its ears, open its mouth, and then the Spirit of your God would come. And that would literally be the presence of your God here on earth, right? What does Jesus do with his miracles? More, more often than not, opens eyes, opens ears, opens mouths. This is Yahweh. And what happens on Pentecost? The Spirit comes, right? Two reasons. We are Spirit-filled. We are true humanity. And now we are God's people through whom he is reclaiming what is rightfully his. See, those two things give us identity and give us our mission. And the thing that the book of Acts challenges us with is that he will send yielded disciples to in-between places and to people living on blurred lines 
in order to help them decipher the story of God and he will bring them into their family. And I think it's beautiful that the eunuch sees a body of water and says, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized into the family right now? Isn't that amazing? Anyway. So 2022, I wanted to set a tone for us. And um, just as Jesus gave a heads up to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus gave his disciples a heads up. And I just feel, right, I just feel that these three messages, as we've just been looking at the trajectory of the early church, I just feel, in particular, this one, I just feel that God is giving New Spring Church a heads up for 2022. Please do not be surprised if we encounter people who we would ordinarily just want to run away from. Please do not be surprised if the Holy Spirit sends you to places and keeps you in places where people are literally on blurred lines. Please do not be surprised if there are people and people groups you encounter and you honestly thought they were out and God's saying, they're not out, they're just on a blurred line. Now let us do our job and actually unpack the story of God. And then they can move from that blurred line to being in. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay. Let me pray and we can pick up our kids. Has that been challenging? It's challenging, right? But if we're going to be challenged, let's all be challenged together. Because I find this challenging too. All right. Okay. Father, we come before you and I thank you for your word. I pray that... Um, I've been faithful in, in unpacking it. I pray that there's been discovery among us as well, that we've been able to see the scripture that maybe is so familiar with new eyes. And Holy Spirit, I pray that there would just be a resonance inside of us. From this point, our Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just lodge things in the heart that we may meditate and pray. And Father, I ask that in the days, weeks, months to come, as we encounter people who are on blurred lines, that when we open our mouth, we will have confidence to know that you actually take hold of our tongues and our minds. And the things that we've learned over the years, that they would just come out just effortlessly. Father, I pray that there'll be a heart of love and genuine compassion for those around us. And I thank you so much that we get to be part of your local church, New Spring Church, positioned in this incredible area, positioned in an in-between place. And Father, I ask that as we are in this in-between place, that we would be faithful in telling your story and worshiping and honoring you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Beautiful.